Welcome to episode 592 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And I previously teased audiobooks and then forgot to talk about one. So we'll get to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I always forget about audiobooks, too. I think I've got some to add to my what's going on list, too. Well, there you go. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> oh, yes. We are producing the show in real time tonight, folks. Uh, and you're also kind of a part of that because we've got some more listener feedback. And that's that's you. So we will start with a piece of listener feedback that I did not get through email. Partly because this is, and this is also sort of a PSA, we did some web work this weekend. Hopefully, no one really noticed. Uh, but our website is now on a different server. I think it's been a fairly smooth transition, with one exception. I broke our email for a few days. So I think it's working mm. again now. Um, but if you emailed us at any point after roughly Saturday morning, we probably didn't get it. So send it again, because uh, we would be we we would hate to lose any of those messages. So uh, I'm actually going to start with one that I didn't get as an email. I got this through Slack from a friend, uh, from a friend named Jim, and he says, "I have an opinion slash thought on the whole Sonos Assistant. I actually really like the idea of it. About ninety five percent of my voice commands to Amazon's voice assistant." are for controlling music. The Sonos Assistant checks a couple of boxes for me. One, local processing. It's nice for privacy, and it should, in theory, be faster. The other thing is, it only controls music, so I don't have to worry about what random article from the internet the Assistant will spout off to an inquiry from my children. Hmm. Yeah, the suggestions from Assistants are getting pretty annoying these days yeah yeah so those are really good things to consider i i, I didn't completely i didn't really think about the, the little kid aspect frankly any yeah. kid like any kid around a voice assistant gets real annoying real quick <laughs> oh yeah yeah i don't even have kids and we've had kids load fart apps on our assistants because <laughs> you know you can just by asking it to do that so I think I've come around on this a little bit. I don't want this necessarily. I don't think this would be good in my home because I think having multiple assist assistants can be confusing, particularly when you're really just trying to get used to a new one. Like we just switched to using Siri. So after using Amazon's assistant for years, we're finally getting used to how to interact with Siri. And, you know, to have to say, hey, beforehand, which is one of the reasons why I like it. But also, this service from Sonos does more than what they're offering through the other assistants. And I think that's something that I missed when I first looked into this. Coincidentally, my latest guest on the upcoming episode of Home On, Robert Spivak, produced a video on YouTube on his channel about the value of this service, which he admits was largely prompted by me saying, meh, about the whole thing. <laughs> cool. 
Yeah. Well, I, I guess there's some crossover then, and everybody listening to this is just going to have to go listen to the next Home On episode. There you go. Perfect. I better get it out soon. <laughs> All right. Well, we also have messages from Nathan. Nathan was sending us feedback in real time as he was listening to the last episode of Entertainment 2.0. And, and these were, I think, largely directed at me because I missed two things. And I am very grateful to Nathan for calling my attention to this. Not necessarily that I was wrong, because that happens, and I'll fess up to it, but stuff that I didn't know about, and I'm really happy to learn about. So he mentions, first of all, that I was talking about how if you subscribe to one of these channels through something like Apple TV, that you may not be able to get that channel. Let's say in the example I gave, it's Paramount Plus. You may not be able to get to that content on the Paramount Plus app because you don't have a login for that. You just have this add-on to Apple TV. And the same is true with Amazon. And the same is true with Roku and anywhere else that you can buy these channels into these services. It turns out, however, that with Paramount, at least, that they have a way that you can go to Paramount's site and say, oh, yeah, I have an Apple TV subscription. And then that can get you access to the Paramount Plus app independent of Apple TV. Now, why do you care? All right. I, I'm going to revert to my big shame. Big Brother just started. Big Brother is accompanied by all sorts of third, like second tier content, like interview shows and after, um, you know, like after I was going to say rejection interviews. I don't, I don't know what you call them, but you know, you've just been voted out. So now you're interviewed. And live streams, none of that stuff is available through these channels. So you can get to all of this additional content that wouldn't necessarily be available through this add-on into your Apple TV or Roku or, or Amazon device. So that's a great thing. And thank you very much for instructing me about that. Now, the other thing that I got schooled on by Nathan about 20 minutes later into the episode is that on Apple TV, they have improved the way that you can go and reduce loud sounds. So you may remember that we talked about this new feature. I don't even remember what device it was on. Do you, Josh? Um, yeah, way to put you on the spot. Sorry about yeah. that. But it now had an easy way to reduce loud sounds. I think it might've been Roku, but now. Oh, no, no, no. That was the NVIDIA Shield. NVIDIA Shield, yes. right. That's right. That's right. And I know that Apple's been able to do this for a long time on the Apple TV. I thought that you had to go into the settings to do it. And that is one way to do it. That will adjust this setting for everything that you watch. However, there's now a way and maybe it was there, but it was buried and I didn't notice it before. There's a way that you can go into the audio settings in a particular video and set it to reduce loud sounds so that just that video will have that setting. And that ends up, you know, putting this night mode on that I, I really do like because I watch a lot of television at night. 
after my partner's already gone to bed. So this is a great feature. I'm glad it is this easy to access. It is worth noting, and this may be one of the reasons why I missed this, that apps that use their own players and in that category is YouTube and YouTube TV and AMC Plus and a handful of others may not have this feature exposed because this is built into Apple's onboard player. So anyway, thank you very much, Nathan. This is great, great information. And I will definitely be using both of these tips. Already took advantage of the Paramount Plus thing. That's great. I, and I I love this. Like I, I love, I, it's not that I love the the night listening mode. I love that our, our listeners in this community contributes back so so frequently. This is re- really nice work, Nathan. And if y'all remember at the top of the show, I said we stopped receiving email after Saturday morning. Uh, Nathan sent this like right away. He listened to this show like right after it came out and sent this message to us right away so that all of you uh, would, not, not just Richard, but so that all of you would know how to do this on your Apple TV. So thank you, Nathan, for not only helping Richard learn how to use his Apple TV that he's had for years and years and years, but for helping all of us. <laughs> nice dig there. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, that is it for our listener feedback. If you'd like to send us some for next week, that email address is entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com or Maybe tweet at us just in case the email is still broken. (laughs) (laughs) We'll know by next week, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah. but hopefully hopefully we're good there. Uh, So let's jump into the news. And we are typically an an American-focused show. We don't typically cover a lot of news from other parts of the world because we don't live there. So we don't have as much hands-on experience. But this is kind of an important story that Richard found. It's impacting, uh, potentially impacting thousands of people in Germany and Austria. Are you ready for a rant, Josh? Oh, yeah. Totally ready. All right. So one of the things that I've been worried about with digital media available through downloads is that if you don't have the physical media, what happens if the licensing agreements that made the content available to you through your service of choice, go away, fall apart. And we're now seeing that. Now, we've seen this before. Usually, it's been explained as an accident or a minor change in services, and there's usually some sort of backup mechanism. But this is really, I think, the first time that this is happening, I'll say, for real. So a little while ago, Sony announced that they were discontinuing purchasing movies and TV shows through the PlayStation Store. But they said that their customers would still be able to access that content that they had already purchased. So if you purchased a movie, even if you didn't have it downloaded on your device, you would still be able to access it, download it, and play it because you purchased it. We now know that. And this is reported by Variety. In Germany and Austria, two studios, Studio Canal and Lionsgate, are 
let, let me clarify that. Studio Canal is confirmed. It's expected that Lionsgate is going to do the same. Are going to remove their movies. They're going to remove access to their movies from the PlayStation. Now, this may be, we don't know, a result of the fact that, well, if we can't sell anything and make any more money, why should we still host this? Why should we still make these available to Sony? So that means that thousands of customers are no longer going to have access to hundreds of movies that they may have already purchased. And these aren't just like, you know, you may say, oh, Studio Canal, who's that? These are titles like The Hunger Games and the John Wick series, the very popular Spirited Away movie from Studio Ghibli, the Paddington movies, the Saw series. These are not just like random titles that nobody's ever heard of. So, Josh, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I literally threw this at you right before we started recording the show, but this is very concerning to me. Yeah, it, it for sure is. Uh, it's it, like, I, I think we get used to seeing content come and go from streaming services like Netflix and things like that. And they swap around and go to different places. But, but to be clear, this is a a thing you purchased that you thought you would have access to forever, although only from PlayStation, which was maybe not the best choice. Like, but uh, <laughs> like if you were going to buy it from one place, I probably wouldn't recommend it be from a game console. Uh, but it, if you did, like that, that's what you did because that's the thing that you've got hooked up to your TV. Right. So I, I can't really fault you for that. But the, the fact that they're just, going to remove all of this stuff is insane to me. Like I I am sure that there must be some some cost here associated with with, uh, with those movies continuing to be available even though there can't be new purchases. So there's no way for them to make any more money. It's only going to cost the studio money to to keep that content up there, but tough. Like that's it's the way this is supposed to work. So it, this this is bad news. We we've not really seen this for movies before. We have seen this for games actually, uh, and oddly, it's typically related to music licensing when mm. when game studios uh, when the license expires on music that's in a game, they have to pull it from the store, and it happens fairly frequently. And every time it does, people get super mad, and there's nothing you can really do about it. So it, it's it sucks to see this move over to to the movie space. Uh I I don't know what can really be done about this, but if there was any part of the world where they would find a way to work in the consumer's best interest, it would be the EU. Right. So hopefully maybe this goes between uh goes before the EU's version of the Federal Trade Commission and they somehow force them like I, I have mixed feelings about all of that, you know, forcing companies to uh, spend money on on things when they have no way of, of recouping any more money. But this is this is really bad for the consumers. So either refund the money from from the movie sales or put them back up. I don't think there's any other option here. Yeah. And right now there's. No indication that there are plans to do 
either of those things. Now, one thing you mentioned when we were talking about this before the show, Josh, was, well, what about movies anywhere? Are these movies part of that plan? Here's where we kind of hit the end of the road of our knowledge on this, because I don't know if movies anywhere is even a thing in Germany and Austria. And I don't know if these studios participate in movies anywhere in Germany and Austria, even if it is. What I do know is that Lionsgate does not still. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anything from Lionsgate, you, you almost definitely wouldn't have access. But for those who might be unfamiliar with, with movies anywhere, in case it is a thing, in case that is a possible solution here, movies anywhere is a service that allows you to link your accounts from lots of, I, I think it's at least seven different providers where you can buy movies. So Amazon, iTunes, Microsoft is in there, uh, Voodoo's in there, lots of different places. You link them all together and uh, Google Play's in there. And then that means that you can log into any of those other services and watch those movies or TV shows that you purchased. But the studios have to be on board and all, all of these licensing deals need to be in place and I'm kind of thinking that Movies Anywhere isn't available in outside of the U.S. at all, because I remember some of our uh, British listeners joking with us that, that it's not Movies Anywhere. It's just movies in the U.S. So, <laughs> uh, But maybe that was just when it was a Disney thing. I, I'm not entirely sure, because it's been yeah, so long know. since we've talked about any of that. But So again, we'll ask you. If you are a listener in one of these countries and you know about this and you know particularly about Movies Anywhere, please let us know. Because I, I would love to know if there are options for consumers here. It may seem that I'm kind of reveling in this kind of told you so moment. I'm not. This is this is infuriating to me. This is customer hostile and this is not what we want the digital future to look like. You know what? <laughs> I don't know that it matters uh, if, if movies anywhere is there, because I don't think Sony as a movie, not as a studio, but as a movie selling platform is part mm -hmm. of movies anywhere. Oh, well, there you go. So I, I just hopped over to the Movies Anywhere site and they show Apple iTunes, Amazon Prime, Voodoo, Google Play, Microsoft Movies, Xfinity. I didn't realize that was one. Uh, Verizon yep. and DirecTV. That's it. So no PlayStation. No PlayStation. Yeah. Studio, uh, Sony is in there as a studio, right? but that's not the relationship here. So right. I, I think even if Movies Anywhere is available over there, it's still not going to solve this problem. <sighs> it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Hopefully people get refunds. and. If you do get a refund, go and buy it from a more reputable place <laughs> that, that's available on all sorts of devices, too, so that you're not locked into using a video game console that's really expensive. So, yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, good story. Thanks for bringing that to our attention right before the show started, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this other one, uh, the other video story for the week, it's actually from Netflix. Netflix is adding spatial audio support to all platforms, which sounds incredible that they could bring spatial audio to everything. And if you're not sure what spatial audio even means, think 3D audio. You've heard us talk about things like Atmos a lot in the past. 
it, it just means audio that's coming from lots of different directions, typically. And whereas 5.1 is, is kind of the the beginner, uh, the, the the beginner mode of of uh, spatial audio, spatial audio as we typically refer to it now is in 360 degrees around you, not just in a circle around you like 5.1 typically does. So it's coming to everything. It's available on everything, not coming. It's available now on, I guess, all of their platforms, Roku, Netflix, or sorry, Roku, Apple TV, your phone, tablets, computers, everything. And one of the reasons they can do that is because they're simulating 3D audio through stereo speakers. So if you're listening on headphones or just listening out of your TV speakers or something like that, it will attempt to simulate spatial audio. I have no idea how well this works, uh, partly because if the device that you're watching Netflix on is already using 5.1 or Atmos, this feature is not enabled because it's just going to use whatever uh, audio codecs and, and profiles your device can handle instead of doing this essentially simulated spatial audio codec that they're using. But it's available on everything. And if you're not sure how to find it, well, you can actually just open up Netflix and search for spatial audio. And it gives you a list of all of the movies and TV shows that support it. And there's things that you actually want to watch in that list. Stranger Things is in there, The Adam Project, The Witcher, lots of big name shows and movies do have support for this. Now, in, in the case of TV shows, it might not be every single episode in a given series, but it's there for some things, and you should check it out if this sounds interesting to you. I am, what's the word I'm looking for? Dubious of this as a feature on a content provider. I get it when it's offered by the device. Like when Apple Music came out with spatial audio on Apple Music, Apple Music spatial audio was for Apple devices. So they controlled the whole stack mm -hmm. from the bits to your ears. And that made a whole lot of sense to me. This, I think, could be problematic. If you have stereo speakers just built into your TV, which are usually crap, <laughs> how is this really going to work? What's it going to end up sounding like? What if your TV already has a spatial audio simulation capability, as most televisions do, and you have that turned on? What is going to happen then? Is this going to be even further diffused through that process? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how I feel about this. This this strikes me as interesting, but I also think it's going to potentially be confusing based on what hardware you're using. Yeah, I, I agree. This this could end up making for a worse experience depending on on how things are configured and. When when spatial audio simulation like this is done well, like in sound bars and things like that, a lot of times, or even from Sonos devices, it's done through extra technology that it like uses microphones to measure how sound is moving around your room. Right, that is clearly right. not happening here. <laughs> so I, 
I think it could be cool, but I don't have high expectations of it like blowing my socks off, right? So this is interesting, and it's something that I think is worth you and me giving a try, like trying. I don't really normally listen to anything in stereo. That's the other thing. You have to be in stereo mode because if your audio device is set for 5.1, it's not going to try to do this. Right, right. It has to think that it's going into stereo speakers. So make sure your audio is on stereo mode. I, cause I'm curious. I, I want to see what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. I should try that. I I've, I I've got a receiver hooked up to my computer here in my office and I only have 2.1 hooked up to it right now. So I, I could try it in here and this is probably like a best case scenario room for it. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we we'll see. We'll see. I, yep. Yeah. I don't know. Cool. But hopefully, hopefully it's good. I don't have high expectations. My my head is still three minutes ago obsessing over the fact that I messed up my pronouns with you and I, or you and me instead of you and I, but that's okay. We'll move on. <laughs> it's not the grammar show. This isn't grammar girl. This is entertainment 2.0. All right, good. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, news that I'm actually excited about. This is this is maybe the most exciting news that, that we have here. And that is the biggest change that has ever been proposed to the, the Bluetooth working group has finally been finalized. And that is a new standard called Bluetooth LE Audio. LE stands for low energy. Bluetooth LE as its own separate technology has been around for a while, a low energy way of doing other sorts of things over Bluetooth, basically data communications. But this is LE audio. And the first time I ever heard of LE audio, I thought, oh, great. Uh, Even worse quality audio (laughs) over Bluetooth? I don't want that. Oh, man. Bluetooth gets such a bad rap. Well, uh, but LE, like, you know, low energy, that 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 probably means it's like something's got to be degraded, right? Well, not actually, because as part of the LE audio standard, they've introduced a new codec called LC3, and it's a more efficient codec than what Bluetooth typically uses right now. And when it's more efficient... That means they've got a couple of options that they can can use it for. So they can either use the same bit rate and actually achieve higher quality audio, or they can go with a lower bit rate and get the same quality audio. And what they're saying is that they can get about half the bit rate and still produce the same audio quality that you're getting right now. And you're like, who gives a crap about the bitrate? Well, the bitrate matters in terms of power consumption. So right. if if they're going to use the lower bitrate and you don't have any complaints about the audio quality that you're currently getting with your Bluetooth headphones, then you're going to get better battery life just from this codec. Like your Bluetooth earbuds that might last seven hours right now, what if they lasted 12 hours? even if it's 11, 10, 11 hours, just from a codec change, and it produces no difference in terms of the audio quality you get, that's pretty fantastic. And for the people who do think that Bluetooth audio is terrible or not worth using, uh, well, maybe with the option of the higher quality, 
at the same bit rate, then maybe Bluetooth will be good enough for those people. Probably not. The audio files will never be happy with, with Bluetooth audio, right? So I'm, I'm really excited about that because better battery life from Bluetooth devices is always a good thing. But there's another really great feature that they're planning to bring to this. And they've actually got a name for it that's not terrible. It's called AuraCast. And the idea here, it's really simple. Right now, let's just take your phone and your headphones. If you want to listen to music on your phone, you can pair one set of headphones to your phone. That's it. With AuraCast, you could connect lots of pairs of headphones to your phone. You mean simultaneously? Simultaneously. Correct. So if you're on a plane and you and your spouse want to listen to the same thing, or if you're on a plane and you and your spouse want to pair your individual noise-canceling headphones to your one iPad and watch the same movie together, you can do that instead of having to use some wired contraption. Oh, wait, you can't do that on an iPad because wired headphones are becoming a non-existent thing oh. in this future, right? No, I'm not blaming uh, iPad. I, I think that's a good thing. Like I, I'm cool with getting rid of wires. I've been using Bluetooth headphones for 15 years. I am yeah. very much ready to be done with wired headphones. So like that's that's just a really small case example. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> so that's this is one of those things that you miss out on by not watching the video. Richard and I are both using wired headphones to do this show right now. And he was kind of pointing to that. Wire. Yeah, yes, that is true. Audio production is a slightly different use case. Uh, so that's one really simple use case, but there's also bigger potential cases like theaters where lots of people are using Bluetooth devices. And you're thinking, well, why would you do that? Well, think about people with hearing aids. There are other types of hearing aid solutions out there, but they also require specific uh, technologies that are not available in all hearing aids. Um, actually know about this because I'm working on potentially implementing uh, something like this at uh, my church uh, because you know hearing loss is a real thing. And mm-hmm. it's this is a, a potentially a really good solution to that. And they're talking about the implementation working pretty much the same way as trying to connect your phone to a Wi-Fi network. Like that's just how this would work. And that's pretty simple. Like everybody's pretty much figured out how to get their phone on Wi-Fi at this point. So I think this is great. Now we've just got to wait for it to be implemented into things. What is not clear is how much of this requires new hardware in devices and how much of it could just be software slash firmware updates in devices. One thing we do know is that it's already in Android 13 beta 2. So it it will be part of Android 13, which will come out later this year. Now, we know the history of Android updates rolling out to older phones and, and stuff like that. So this realistically might not be something that you're using on a regular basis until next year. But I think both of these are are really exciting features coming to Bluetooth audio. This is very cool. I also wonder if this might even make its way into vehicles. Like if 
One of the major complaints with Bluetooth audio is the audio quality. And one of the main places where people use Bluetooth for audio is in vehicles. Could this improve the audio quality in cabin? And I think it potentially could. It could, and this is me not knowing the science, but making some leaps. It could also mean that you, since it's using a lower bit rate, potentially, you could also be able to get as good audio as you could at like, you know, let's say full signal as if you have a like less good signal. And certainly when you have your phone like in your pocket or in the console or whatever else, there are lots of barriers between your phone and wherever the receiver is on the car. Mm -hmm. So this could be helpful there too. I'm very excited about this. I think this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm so excited for this. And the car is another great example there. Uh, But is the the one that scares me the most about it needed new hardware. <laughs> uh it's a little bit harder. That's an opportunity, Josh. <laughs> opportunity, right? A very very expensive opportunity. Yeah, cuz most people don't just upgrade the audio in their car. They buy a new car. <laughs> so, I'm not doing that. I just bought a car. I'm not buying a new one. So, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm very excited about this Bluetooth technology, and maybe that makes me super nerdy, but I'm still super excited about it. All right, our other audio story of the week is Sony has some new portable speakers. They release new lines of of Bluetooth speakers basically every year, and these ones look pretty good. Now, basically, you know, they're like we said, they're Bluetooth speakers, but they're a little bit bigger than like, you know, your, your normal thing that you might just plop on your desk or take with you when you're traveling so that you can listen to podcasts and things like that. These are higher quality speakers, typically something that, that might compete more with devices like Sonos or uh, the, the Nest and Amazon Assistant power devices, that sort of thing. This is not a $25 Bluetooth speaker that we're talking about here. So it's still weird to refer to speakers as nest devices for sure. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there's three new devices here. The biggest one is the SRS XG 300. It's Sony. So all of the model numbers are terrible. Uh, Refer to the the article in the show notes. If you really want to look up these, these numbers. So the, the SRS XG 300, it's the biggest one. It's the heaviest one. It has, two woofers, two tweeters, and two passive radiators. Passive radiators, if you're not familiar with that technology, it's basically a way of doing something like subwoofers but without needing big, giant subwoofer speakers in something. And they typically generally work fairly well. Uh, This device gets 25 hours of battery life. And like most things that are coming out nowadays, uh, has a quick charge functionality where if you charge it for 10 minutes, you'll get 70 minutes of battery life. But I mean, 25 hours, that's more than a day. So that's that's pretty great. So this is the big one and it comes with the biggest price at $350. The medium-sized one, uh, it's a little bit smaller. It does not have passive radiators. It has 24 hours of battery life. I, it's unfortunate they couldn't get that one more hour like the bigger one, uh, but also does the quick charge functionality. This one is a $200 speaker. And then the smallest one, it has 16 hours of battery life, still has the quick charge functionality. And this one is 
$130. These are all coming out July 15th. So probably while you're listening, these are available now. And there's other cool things about these. So these are meant to be used outside. So they're dustproof, they're IP67, waterproof. They have noise canceling mics in them that supposedly would make them good for taking phone calls. But are you taking a phone call on a Bluetooth speaker from the pool? <laughs> don't. Well, <laughs> don't do well I mean, it, if you have this with you, it probably makes more sense to answer the call on this than to, you know, you're in the pool, you're wet and to go find your phone and try to answer that. I guess. That's, yeah, that's I don't. I don't really have a problem with that. Yeah, the other thing that they support is uh, Sony's uh, proprietary technology for grouping these things together. So you you can group multiples together, and they call that party connect, or you can just do a, a fairly standard stereo pair mode, and that's pretty nice to see in you know in speakers of of this price range. So. They're not out yet, so we don't know how they sound. For Sony devices, I expect them to sound pretty good. Good. Yeah. Are they going to be better than Sonos? I don't know. And they don't have the network capabilities that Sonos does. They're just Bluetooth speakers at the end of the day. But pretty competitively priced. Could be a good thing to bring with you to the pool, bring with you to the beach. Uh, uh, I, I'm i intrigued. I think these look like interesting devices. I'm intrigued by the battery life. I For mean, sure. That alone blows away Sonos. You know, the the $350 price point for the larger one here is roughly around the price of the Sonos Move. Sonos is getting 25 hours of battery life. The Move gets 10. Now, again, you're talking about a lot more capabilities on the Move. It has all of the services built in and stuff like that. It's connecting to your Wi-Fi, but still just considering your use case. And then on the lower end of that, the the Sonos Roam costs like about $170, something like that. That's about halfway between these two lower-end devices. It also gets 10 hours of battery life. These get 16 and 24 hours of battery life, respectively. So, you know, depending on your use case, do you really need Sonos out at the pool? Or do you just need a really good water-resistant or waterproof Bluetooth speaker? Exactly. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Cool. All right. That's it for our audio news. Only one gaming story this week. We're, we're still kind of recovering from, from <laughs> I was going to say E3, but from not, but, E3, but not week. E3. Exactly. Uh, but don't worry. We've got Gamescom coming up in August, a huge, huge show in, in Germany. And I believe Tokyo Game Show is also happening, although I think that's in September this year. So, don't worry, we're going to get some gaming news eventually here. Uh, but for the the only other gaming news story that we have this week is Sega has announced they're going back to the the mini retro console thing that was so popular two, three, four years ago. You know, uh, Nintendo released a couple, and Sega did release the. Sega Genesis Mini or the Sega uh, Mega Drive Mini, depending on if you were in uh, Japan or in the U.S. It was the Genesis in the U.S. And the the Genesis Mini was considered by a lot of places to be the best implementation of one of these mini consoles. And so they're 
going back to the well and they're bringing out another one. I'm a little bit frustrated because like maybe you could have just released more games for the original one or made it so that we could <laughs> download more games to the original one. Uh, but that's not what they're doing. Uh, they're, they're releasing a whole new device. Now, there is one cool hardware aspect to this new device. This one is coming with the six-button controller that became popular a little bit later in the Sega Genesis life cycle. And the six-button controller was better than the original three-button controller in every way imaginable. It had, obviously, twice the buttons, which really came in handy for things like fighting games. It was also... Despite the fact that it had twice the buttons, smaller and more comfortable. I loved the six-button Genesis controller. Uh, if you don't really care so much about the games that are going to come on this version of the Genesis, but you just want that controller, uh, the controllers are going to be swappable between both of these. So you could also take your three-button controller if you bought the first Genesis Mini and use it with this. So that's that's cool. Uh, in terms of pricing. We don't know the price yet. This was announced about a month ago for a Japanese release. The news here is that, oh yeah, they're deciding they're going to release it in the US now. They're going to release it exclusively through Amazon. They haven't given a price yet. I expect it to be between 75 and 100 bucks. They're saying it'll come with about 50 games, but they have not announced all of them yet. They have announced some. The biggest hitters on here are Sonic CD, Virtual Racing, Shining Force CD, Vector Man 2. Those are the biggest ones I saw on the list. But then again, I wasn't a huge Genesis guy back in the early 90s. So always more of a Nintendo guy. Uh, they'll, they'll announce more games. We'll see what, what they include. It's not just Genesis games. Uh, you heard me say CD in there. So that means they are including some of the Sega CD games. And some of Sega's arcade games are being ported into this also. So this will be releasing in Japan and in the US in October, on October 27th. So sometime between now and then we'll find out what the rest of these games are and you can order it on Amazon. All right. That, cool. That's it for our gaming news and for really all of our news this week. So we are going to jump into one of my favorite segments of the show. What's going on in our entertainment centers? So Richard, what's going on? Well, I finished... The uh, first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the finale just came out. That was great. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of stuff in there I didn't get because it calls back to multiple original series episodes. So you may want to go back and check some of that out. I ended up having to go to YouTube to watch one of the explainer videos to help me get some of the stuff that I was like, this must mean something, but I don't know what it means. And that was a help. So, you know, your mileage may vary depending on your recent familiarity with the original series. I am all caught up on For All Mankind on the current season. So I finished the first two seasons and am up to date on the current season, which is about halfway through now. That has been so, so good. I am really enjoying that. I finished, actually, we finished, uh, my partner and I finished Stranger Things season four. The last few episodes of that just came out, and I really liked the season. I know it's getting mixed reviews. I thought it was very good. I'm I'm looking forward to the fifth season. And we got back to Penny Dreadful. That is something that we've been watching episodes 
periodically. We already watched through this entire series, but liked it so much. This is, again, that kind of Victorian horror story with all of these Victorian horror genres mixed together. And we find it really interesting. I am now getting ready to watch Westworld because season four is out. And so to start that, I did what I have done all the past times. I plan on watching the prior season again in preparation for the current season. But before I did that, I wanted to watch the season finale of the season before that. So I just watched the Westworld season two finale. This is probably like the third or maybe fourth time. I still don't get it all. Seriously, it is so complicated, but I enjoyed it. And now I'm going to start watching Westworld season three so that I can then catch up on Westworld season four. Just same sort of thing I was doing with All Mankind. Watching a few more episodes of the Bob Newhart show, still enjoying that. That's very, very funny. My uh, my big shame, Big Brother, has started. So I have started watching that. And I am very excited that we will be watching What We Do in the Shadows season four, which just launched this week. Love the series. Taika Waititi, very, very funny. He's he he produces this. He's not acting in it, though he has made an occasional cameo appearance. Love, love, love this. Looking forward to getting back to this. We watched this week Agatha Christie's Crooked House. That's a movie available on Netflix. I like Agatha Christie stories. This, um, well, let me just say this. I liked this movie. It has a great cast. This is like one of those Star Trek Next Generation films that you're going until the last five minutes and you're thinking, how are they going to end this? There's only five minutes left. And then in the last two minutes, it's all wrapped up. And you're like, wait, that was the end? So yeah, that's kind of how I viewed this. If you like Agatha Christie, you might like it. I enjoyed it, but man, that ending was abrupt. All right. I mentioned that I am reading or rather listening to a book on Audible. I am I am reading In the Plex, basically the story about Google, how Google came into power and the um kind of the history behind the various products that they have offered the world. It's really really interesting and dives deep into the culture and the people behind it. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It is a 19-hour listen, so I have a while to go yet. So so it's referring to their, their campus being called the Googleplex. When, when I saw this was called In the Plex, I thought, someone wrote a book about Plex? And <laughs> yeah, that, that, that listener feedback from last episode, who right, like, hmm, you think we're, we're Plex fanboys? At least we didn't write a book about it. <laughs> yeah, no, different, different. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about hardware real quickly. You mentioned uh, Bluetooth, and I recently bought a new Bluetooth device for my car. My car supports Blueplay, or Blueplay, CarPlay. Bluetooth. that'd be a good name. We, let's, let's uh, I don't know, maybe name a band that or something. So CarPlay is great, except in most cars, you have to physically connect your phone to the car 
every time you get in and out of your car, well, in of your car, and then disconnected when you get out. And that's kind of a hassle these days. I know we are so spoiled. It's ridiculous. Some cars, some manufacturers actually do that all over Bluetooth. And third-party manufacturers have started to create these, I don't even know what I want to call them, proxy devices that essentially make your phone look like it's connected to the car so that then the car will use CarPlay as normal without you actually physically connecting the device. It's awesome. I bought one of these things. I don't really remember what model or company's version. There are many. And so far, so good. I'm pretty happy with the experience. Cool. And then finally, there's a chance. There's a small chance that in the next two and a half hours, I might buy a new OLED TV. (laughs) Why in the next two and a half? That seems awfully specific, Richard. Well, you may or may not know that this is Prime Day 2. Technically, should probably be called Secondary Day. But on Prime Day, the LG OLEDs are on sale again. And the sale price has been vacillating between somewhere like 30% off and 40% off. And 40% off on the model that I want is $1,000 off the price of this <laughs> television. That's real money. That's real money. So. I have basically committed to myself that if I notice that it goes back to 40% off again, before the end of the day, I am going to buy it. I probably should have made that decision this morning. It would have made my life a lot easier, but there it is. You should. Then we would have the same TV. There you go. First time ever. (laughs) That would be cool. It's the, the LGC one is so great. It's so good. It is a beautiful television. All right. That was a long list. Sorry, Josh. What have you been up to? It's okay that you had a long list because I have a short list. Okay. Yeah. uh, I have not watched anything. I have played... uh, Definitely my my playtime with Diablo Immortal on my phone has decreased significantly. That might have more to do with the fact that I'm not on vacation anymore and just having spare time to play on my phone. Um, You know, back to to the real world. Uh, I am playing... The, the usual amount of NHL, of course. I also, when I wasn't playing NHL with other people, got back to playing Control. I had mentioned that shortly before my vacation that I was trying to finish that game. I did not uh, end up finishing Control before I left on vacation. Fortunately, I didn't forget everything about it while I was gone. Still remembered how to play it. Um, man, I still love this game. Like Every time I do something new in this game, I like... I seriously like pause for a minute and just think this game is amazing. Like it is, it is amazing how good this game is. It is, it's amazing to me how much fun this game is and how they just keep adding more and more to the game as you work your way through it. It's so good. If you've not played Control, you have to go and play it. It's on Xbox, it's on PC, it's on PlayStation. Go and play it. Uh, and you might have even gotten it free. Like I think Amazon had it free on prime day last year or something like that. I know it's been on game pass previously. I'm not sure if it is right now. You owe it to yourself to play control. It is really uh, one of the best third person uh, shooter actiony games that I've ever played. It's so good. And that's it for what I've been doing. Oh, I guess it's not true. I did have an audio book. I did. Um, I started reading atomic habits. 
very popular book on habit building that came out just a few years ago. I don't remember the author. I'm not going to look it up. It's Atomic Habits. It's not hard to find. Um, pretty good book so far, but I'm only like two or three chapters in. So Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of us, hopefully our email will be working soon. That's entertainment20 at digitalmediazone.com. If you want to find us on Twitter, Twitter is definitely working at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone. And if you want to find more details on anything that we talked about, like all of those different crazy Sony Bluetooth speaker model numbers, everything that we talked about tonight, there's links to it in the show notes over at the digitalmediazone.com. The one of the other things that you can find over there is Richard's other show. He teased it earlier, but Richard, what's coming, what, what's going on? with your other podcast, Home On. Yeah, just recently recorded the next episode with Robert Spivak. This is the episode where we talk about Do It For Me, how you might want to turn to a pro to handle some of the smaller jobs, just stuff that you don't quite want to or know how to deal with yourself. It was a great discussion. He was a great guest. So I'm looking forward to getting that out soon. Cool. All right. Well, and then come back and join us for the live show. I think next Tuesday is actually going to work. It's, I say typically Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. A lot of times it's Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. It was this week, and I know in two weeks from now, it'll be a Wednesday again. Heads up, Richard. Uh, it's that week again. So uh, follow us on Twitter to know for sure when the show is live or subscribe to us on Twitch because you'll get notified as soon as we go live there, especially if you don't like Twitter. Can't imagine why you wouldn't like Twitter anymore. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so much drama so much drama all right well that is going to do it for episode 592 he's richard gunther and i'm josh pollard thanks for listening to entertainment 2.0 adios goodbye